Welcome to People's Church Podcast. How many here have ever visited Google Earth? Yeah? It's the most amazing visit. You can go all around the world, right? They've taken photographs of pretty much every street in the world. Back streets, country roads. It's absolutely stunning what they've created. And uh, it's kind of interesting because what they've found out is with Google Earth, they've done all of this particular information out there. And you can travel the world just by going on your computer screen and seeing all of this. And guess what place people dial into the most when they go in Google Earth? Their place. Their place. That's where they Google. It's like, I want to see my road. I want to see my house. I want to see. It's it's really quite funny when you really think about it. You have the opportunity to go all around the world, but the first thing you Google is going to be probably your place. You're you're in the majority if you've done that. Perspective we're going to be talking about over the next weeks in different facets of our living. I think we'll do a parenting perspective. For instance, one week we will do a certain type of relational one. Today we're going to do sort of a general introduction to this kind of uh, teach on perspective. So we're going to lay out a little groundwork here. Perspective actually is just the whole shaping force of your world. Your decisions are shaped by your perspective. By the way, ladies, yes, you are on for Thursday night, six o'clock dinner, some kind of taco thing. And then uh, we'll do a little work on your circles of relationships and uh, they may need uh, a little work. They might need a little upgrade. They might need a little bit of strength. And I think that you'll find that when we take that particular thing on. <clears throat> Let me tell you a story. This is just side trail because I get to teach to the ladies on Thursday night a little bit. In heaven, there were two huge signs. The first read this. It read, men who did what their wives told them to do. The line of men under the sign stretched as far as the eye could see. The second sign stated, men who did what they wanted to do. Only one man stood under that sign. Intrigued, St. Peter said to the lone man, no one has ever stood under this sign. Tell me about yourself. The man shrugged and said, not much to say. My wife told me to stand here. Pretty much 100% then. You got power, ladies. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about that on Thursday evening. Another study they did on that, and this is a perspective thing, just to show you how perspectives just are so, so kind of crazy. This is, a, this is a true study on top fear. Top fear. And what do you think the top fear is? Throw it at me. Sorry? Life? Okay, what else? You might be getting close. All right, top fear. They've done the studies, they've figured it out, and people's number one fear is public speaking. Public speaking. Um, Their number two is death. So, what that means, does that even sound right to you? I mean, this means that the average person, if you go to a funeral, you're better off in the casket than in doing the eulogy. Yeah. 
That doesn't make sense to me, okay. Uh, why not die on stage if you have to and then, you know, go from there. <laughs> perspective shapes things because perspective is shaped by your fears. Perspective is shaped by your comforts, your safe places, your, uh, can we say, ruts of thinking. Perspective is huge. It can be off, way off, and lead you down trails you never really would have intended to go just because of perspective. Perspective is something that if you don't have one that is getting clearer and clearer based on actual truth and things that you have in your uh, weaponry to deal with fears and so on, it will take you where you don't want to go in a relationship, in your finances, in every major area of life. It's going to affect you. So perspective is absolutely everything. And, and even on perspective when it comes to the little things on a daily basis, not just the big choices of life. In fact, perspective probably shows up more in the little wee things of life. Where every day you're making these little wee choices and you don't recognize you're making them from a perspective that is already the comfort zone for you or the usual go-to way to think about certain things. Jesus destroyed the Pharisees' perspective on relationship with God. Absolutely, can't, but they couldn't get it. They really couldn't get it. Jesus said to one guy who was an extremely educated man, Nicodemus, he, he said to Nicodemus, he said, you're a teacher of the law and you don't get this simple thing about being born again of spirit? He's, he, he's like, are you kidding me? Like you're missing this? How do you miss that? Jesus destroyed a lot of perspectives. When he came, people were expecting a Messiah to be a political ruler and a military ruler. One that would overthrow the Roman Empire and then return the throne of David, ruling out of Jerusalem, a world empire. This is what they were expecting to happen. Nothing like that happened because that has never been what has been the intention of Jesus Christ or the Messiah. It's not about him coming and militarily or politically taking over the world. And Jesus over and over had to bring in the correct perspective, which was it was all about your heart. It was all about your sin and then the grace and love of God and the thing that he was going to do by sacrificing his own life for our sin. That was a hard perspective. He says another thing about perspective. Uh, Paul is the, is the one that's speaking. And in Corinthians, Paul says, you know, to, to the Jew, like, it is the, the cross is foolishness. Said so they don't get it. It's just foolish to think that there would have to be that kind of thing happen. What is... What is it about us that gets so locked into perspectives that stop our growth, stop our ability to learn truth, and then apply truth correctly to our lives? And so we're going to visit that a little bit today. Title for today is There is Always a Bigger Picture. There is always a bigger picture than you see. No matter what you're experiencing, you might be experiencing some things in the area of pain and people and problems in your life right now. Those are three big areas 
that really affect us. And so we might be experiencing a lot of problem and pain and upheaval in these areas. And we tend to see things uh, rather narrowly when we are in that. The why question is an interesting question. Why me? Why me? You know, whenever I ask that question out there, why me? Why me? What is our first response to that? It's always going to be in the negative. Why does that have to happen to me? Why did that happen to somebody close to me? Why does this happen? There was a song that was written, oh, I don't know, some decades ago. It was a great song. Uh, and completely turned it around in, with a different perspective. Instead of why me and then going to all of the pain, it went, why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one? of the blessings I've known. You see the perspective difference? Same, same words, same question, different perspective. Your perspective is either gonna strengthen your energy and your faith, it's gonna strengthen you in your roles, it's gonna, it's gonna release you into a stronger performance in things that are important in your life, or your perspective is gonna rob you blind, and it's gonna take from you all the best energies, and the energy that you do retain, it'll send down paths that don't actually produce fruit. So if someone says, I have a perspective on forgiveness that, yeah, you forgive, but you certainly don't forget, and I forgive, but I'm never gonna take a risk again. I forgive, but... You know, the biggest question you can ask yourself about your perspective, is this leading somewhere where it's healing and hopeful? Is it leading somewhere where it's going to do some good in me and good through me? What does God get out of this? Because God always has a bigger viewpoint. Always has a bigger view. It's always larger. So what God sees and what you see is, can be worlds apart. When you go through pain like you may be going through right now, what God sees and what you see can be worlds apart. But here's an underlying principle. Philippians 1.27 says, whatever happens, catch the whatever happens. More or less, this is a complete category. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Christ. What's he saying? There is a bigger viewpoint. There's a bigger picture. In that whatever you go through, you want your conduct to line up with the biggest picture of life as a Christian. And that is that you are conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news of Christ. He's saying there's an overall thing that can control your perspective. Even though you're dealing with huge pain, problem, people, issues. God always has, number one, a viewpoint uh, of my problem or I could have put on my problem God always has a viewpoint he's never with a viewpoint on the problems you're facing right now no matter how deep that problem how aggressive it is how long it's been God has a viewpoint on it the question we must ask ourselves if that viewpoint exists then that distance between my viewpoint and God's viewpoint am I closing that gap or is that gap just staying frozen and I'm living only locked within my own viewpoint of what I am dealing with? Because what we want to do is understand God's viewpoint is overriding. It's got all the big purposes resided in it. And what we need to do is close our gap between our viewpoint and his viewpoint. That is growth in faith. That is growth in trust. That is growth in health.
He always has a viewpoint. No matter what problem you're going through, he has a viewpoint. Philippians 1.12 says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that, and here's that, and gain in complete word, everything that has happened to me, everything. He's, he's not leaving out the bad, the ugly. He's saying everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news. More or less he's saying, God has used my life, the good, the bad, the ugly, to spread the good news of Christ, of a loving God, a supportive God, a shepherding God, a God who has an eternal plan for my life, a God who knows me inside out and provides for me what I need in those critical moments, a God who doesn't abandon me. He's saying, I have this kind of relationship with him that no matter what I go through, no matter in everything, it will spread good stuff. You know, a lot of times our lives, just because of pain and problems and pressures, we start to actually not bring good news, but only bad news. Bad news sells best. There's no question about it. Let's not kid ourselves. It's the, it's the sale item. You can, you can always sell bad news. Everybody's got bad news. Family bad news. When I deal with parenting and family, I want to talk about what does a Christian family really look like? And it will surprise you. You might have financial bad news. Everybody's got it. You might have health bad news. We all walk that at one time or another. You've all got bad news. I've got bad news. You want to hear my bad news today? And you're going, yeah, yeah, tell me, yeah. When we go through stuff, there is a huge opportunity for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of a God who has always has a viewpoint on what I go through. And I want to be one that's closing that gap. When my faith engages with and serves God's viewpoint, it becomes a witness. It is a witness to those without faith in Christ. Because this is not the normal. To look into a bigger viewpoint that God has. And, and, and it's just not the normal. It becomes a witness. Look at Philippians 1.13. For everyone here, including all the soldiers in the palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Now, here's, he may have had, in the time he was in prison, over 4,300 different guards chained to him. He was chained 24 hours a day. So they'd have him chained to guards. How would you like to be one of those guards? Do you think you're going to get away without the gospel? Do you think you're going to escape without him bringing up the good news of Jesus? Do you think that you're not going to get the full on? Can you imagine if they did have the change? Because they like to do that. They wouldn't always put the same person there. The influence of Paul in the, it, having chains and then using those chains... To position his faith in God's viewpoint. That the things in this world really don't mount up to a whole lot when compared with what eternity holds for us. The pains, the problems, the trials. It is a witness. It also gives confidence and courage to other followers of Christ. What you go through. 
When you respond with faith and you begin to close the viewpoint that is naturally resonant within the pain, the pressure, the problems, the people, and you begin to close the gap to God's viewpoint by faith, you start learning how to walk that gap by faith. You don't have all the evidence of it, but you have trust. You bring a confidence and courage to other believers that are going through things. Philippians 1.14, and because of my imprisonment, many of the Christians here have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. Our stories of faith affect one another. Our stories when we are, have gone through these gaps in life between we don't get it, what's going on, we don't understand the total picture, you've got the big picture, we got this little picture controlled by pain and fear and pressures and people and problems. And... But we are having our faith exercised towards your viewpoints. That encourages others and it gives confidence to other believers, those that are your brothers and sisters in Christ, that in the middle of their trials, there is a way to live that's better than just the bad news. Your life is not just your life. If you're a person of faith in Christ, your life has the potential of strengthening so many other people. Secondly, to maintain God's viewpoint, I must never let others control my attitude. It's a key point in life. You are going to have to deal with people not supporting all of your choices. You're going to have to deal with some of the gaps that come into that. Paul writes about it in Philippians also. And I've just put it this way. There's four different categories he lists. He lists there's critics, there's comrades, there's competitors, and there's conspirators. Listen to this scripture. It's true that some preach Christ because they are jealous and quarrelsome. That there is the critics. Others preach Christ from genuine goodwill. That's the comrades. These do so out of love, and they know God's given me the work of defending in the gospel. Others preach Christ insincerely. These are competitors from a spirit of selfish ambition or ego. Others just want to stir up more trouble for me. That is the conspirators, and add to my pain while I am in prison. You're going to find people in all those categories when you go through things. When you're experiencing things, you would think that, well, you know, um, I'm going to get nothing but support. You'll be surprised. You'll, you'll get far more than support. You're going to get all four categories that are going to come at you. You will have some comrades and thank God for them. It's good to have. It's really good to have. But Paul looks at this whole deal in a very pragmatic way. He looks at it from his own attitude. And he then tells us what his attitude is. He says, look. I could live in disappointment and discouragement because of all the people drop balls around me or my own drop balls or all of our drop balls together. I could be living in disappointment and discouragement the rest of my life if you want to, but the gospel is central to my life. So I'm not going to allow my attitude to be controlled by any of these others. 
Look at Philippians 1.18. It says, but it doesn't really matter why they're preaching Christ. The important thing is that in every way, whether for right or wrong reasons, the message of Christ is being shared. So I am happy and I will continue to be happy. That's an interesting statement. He's saying, you know, look, people aren't cheering on, you know, me. But they're using the gospel to try to get at me. And he's saying, great, then at least the gospel's getting out. I don't know about you, but that kind of might be a difficult attitude to grab sometimes. Because we live in such a personal response world. Rather than living in a Christian response world, a God response world, a faith response world. A response world that rather than retaliation and defense, we instead are dealing with it from a strategic position and saying, the most important thing is that this good news gets out there, so I got to get it to my family. If my family doesn't like it, and in my family I've got critics, I've got some comrades, I've got competitors, and I've got conspirators, but you know, the good news is if they are talking about the gospel, that's good by me. Uh, their motivations, God will look after all that. I'm just glad the good news is getting there. What an amazingly mature, single-minded approach to problems. For joy, next, you must trust God to work things out. Because he has the bigger viewpoints. Why we want to hang on to things is to control. We all have an, a need to control. To such an extent that sometimes um, we can do the craziest things. There was a guy, there was a guy, he bought a dog. He bought his dog, he bought a new dog. And he names him Stay. So he, he, said, he said this, he said, it's fun to call him. Come here, Stay. Come here, Stay. The dog went insane, okay. <clears throat> Didn't know whether to come here or to stay or what to do. We'll play all kinds of games to control. And the reason we like that is because then we feel if we are in control, we can control a better outcome. When in essence, your control probably is going to end up with worse outcomes. Because your control is going to be fear, pride, control, protection in the wrong way. And God wants us to have his bigger picture. So for joy, you must trust God. Joy doesn't come from circumstances. It comes because we trust God. Trusting the bigger picture, the bigger viewpoint. We're going to trust that he is going to work things out. Look at what he says in Philippians 1.19. I will continue to rejoice. There's the joy. For I know that as you pray for me and as the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, all that's happened will all turn out for my deliverance. 
He doesn't say you don't do anything. He's saying, you, you know, you're going to pray for me and I'm going to be praying and, uh, and the spirit of Christ is going to be helping me and I am just going to be in joy over this thing. Uh, why? Because I really do trust that it's all going to work out for my deliverance. Sometimes we only can see circumstantial deliverance and we can't see internal deliverance. You know, your biggest traps are not exterior. They are interior. The interior tends to create much of the exterior traps in life. So oftentimes what we're doing is waiting for the exterior circumstances to change to experience things like joy. No, you're looking for a form of happiness where it is coming to you because everything's working the way that you want it to. By the way, one of the ways to have a diminishing return on happiness in your life is to make life all about you. We know even from studies that the more that you serve others, the happier you are. The happiest people are people that have meaning in serving others. They derive their meaning because of the value of service. This is an interesting thing because most of the time we have the opposite kind of philosophy coming to us, which is, look, you just, you just need a whole lot of big train of good things coming into your life all the time. You need to get everything you want in life. If you have the privilege of giving birth to a child and bringing it into your home, one of the worst things that you can do is train them in a way that says, you get everything you want from me and I am here to give you everything you want. Now, why is that destructive? Well, first off, it's destructive to you. It'll burn you completely out, all right? Pretty soon, you're gonna have a lot of different negative emotions going on and frustrations and resentments about the demands on your life as they grow older. You're gonna struggle. We know that depression, even in parenting, has to do a lot with this process. And what has to change is the viewpoint of the provider. The other thing it destroys is the person themselves. Because that means you're saying your world is only as big as your wants. That's as big as you're going to grow. That's it. You're not growing any bigger. You're not going to exceed what you want. You want easy, that's what you get. Shut down all growth. Now, life has a way of interrupting those kinds of ridiculous processes and demands from people that they have to do things different and change some of their viewpoints and learn that it's not all about them. In Philippians 1.20, it says, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. That's an interesting statement. He's saying, look, whether I live or die, I have a purpose in both. I have a purpose in life. I have a purpose in death. He's basically stating to us, the worst that can happen to me is that I would die. Okay, so if the worst, besides public speaking, right? So the worst that can happen to me is, is uh, I could die. 
And he's saying, but my, my full courage, I, I, I'm here with full courage. Uh, simply because I, I really want Christ to be honored in my body. No matter whether it's thriving or it's dying or it's... He's saying there's a viewpoint I serve that's way beyond the circumstances that are challenging me right now. Physical circumstances, emotional circumstances, mental circumstances, spiritual circumstances. He's saying I have a much bigger response to that than just trying to find a way to survive or get through. I have a purpose in these things. Finally, the bigger picture calls for me to focus on my purpose, not my problems. Here is part of the issue. We all have the same basic issues and problems. You could have a health problem. Well, there could be a, what, a million conditions that we could all be different in. But it's a health problem. We all basically have the same kind of issues. The problem becomes our focus. And the bigger picture is always going to call for you to have to focus on your purpose and not your problem. Here's the, here's the problem with the problem. Is that your whole energies get focused on the problem itself rather than what is the purpose. So many times I've walked with people that have gone through difficult things in life and even in within my own life. And the first phase is usually looking something like this. What we tend to do is focus on the problem as we see it ourselves. And then we begin to work at what is the solutions. We research, we look at, we find help, we do whatever we can. Nothing wrong with that process. But if that's where you park it, you are not going to find the kind of strength that you need or courage that you need to face life. You are not going to find the thing that brings you joy in life. You are not going to find the kind of bigger purpose. And then what I've noticed is some, not all, they come to a different level of dealing with their problem. Now they start looking to the purpose. Lord, I don't believe this comes by accident. I believe, Lord, that what we're up against or what I'm dealing with or what I'm going through, there's something you want to accomplish in me, through me, around me. I don't know what it is. I really don't know. But I want to begin by trusting. Trusting your viewpoint that you've got a purpose and a reason for what is happening right now. And I want to start living in that purpose and in that reason. See, so, so many times when we go through difficult things, we are in an entrenchment mindset. We pull back into what remaining strength we have. We protect it so that we can deal with the problem. But greater energy and courage and strength comes from looking at the purpose. And the moment that I can have a purpose and a meaning like I'm chained to all these guards, but look at the gospel. It even, by the way, when it hits Philippians chapter 4, it says even Nero's family was coming to Christ. That there's a purpose. Now, if I was talking about Paul's circumstances, this is known as the, the letter of joy, Philippians. He wrote it in chains, in prison. The context doesn't work in the natural. The circumstances don't work because we are always in, in, in uh, if and when. So if this changes, when this changes, then I'll be happy. 
He's writing right in the middle of it. He's not dealing with if and when. He's saying, here's how to have joy in the middle of all of this stuff. Here's how to live strongly in the middle of all of this stuff. God has a viewpoint. God has a purpose. You might not have any idea what he's accomplishing. You may not figure that out in this lifetime, and you probably won't. But what you can figure out is that there's a viewpoint bigger than yours, and the closer you move towards that, the healthier you become as a as a whole being and the stronger you become and the more joy you can experience despite the circumstances imagine just living a pure on experiential life and only in reaction to it and your joy and your courage and your love only rises to the performance data around you all the time whether it's hitting an acceptable mark or not We need to focus on the purpose. Look at Philippians 1, through 25. If by continuing to live, I can do more worthwhile work for Christ. Oh, see it? Do you see the purpose right away? Look where he is. Look where he is. He's in prison. He is chained in a dungeon shell, uh, a cell to uh, Roman guards. He has, has freedom taken away. It would seem every opportunity taken away. His relationships taken away. He's had everything taken away from him and he's in isolation within this particular prison. And he's saying, if by continuing to live, if I keep breathing air on this planet, I can do more worthwhile work for Christ. He's already moved way up here to God's viewpoint on what he's going through. His faith and trust now over many, many years of walking with God has come to a place where it's just, just there. And he's saying, look, if by living and breathing, I can do more, more worthwhile work for Christ, then I am not sure which I should choose. I am pulled in two directions. I want very much to leave this life and be with Christ, which is a far better thing. But for your sake, it is much more important that I remain alive. I am sure of this, so I know that I will stay on with you all. So I can add to your progress and joy in the faith. So he's looking at what he's going through and he's saying, wow. I mean, this is a resource that can be nurtured well beyond this into strengthening and helping. And it can become energy in a good way. And it can become faith in other people. It can bless them. And he's saying, if that's, if, if that's going to be my lot and I'm to stay here and not go home right now and leave my pain and all of this behind, then that's good. I'll do it. powerful summation of a life well lived perspective see the thing that Paul really championed in life was a growing perspective into God's and that's what you want to be is on a process of growing into God's perspective on you on your weaknesses your strengths your history your future your present the people, the problems, the pressure, the pain. I'm not minimizing any of those things. I'm saying that's not where you want to live. You want your life to be able to ascend beyond those kinds of things.
and see purpose, that God has overriding purpose in how your life is being played out. And he can take the good, he can take the bad decisions, he can take those ones which you would take back in a minute. Their regrets, you would take them back in a minute and redo them. And he says, no, you can't take them back, but man, I can use them. He can even take the ugly that you want nobody else to see. It would be the worst day of your life for anyone to know about that picture that's hidden away. And he can take that and he said, I can take that. I got purpose. He's got purpose for what you're going through. He has a viewpoint on your problem, your pressures, the people around you, your pain. He's got a viewpoint. That's not the question as a Christian. My question is, is my viewpoint growing towards his? What about this gap? What about this gap? What about this gap? Or am I staying frozen down in here, locked away? Perspective is powerful. Let's play that out just for a little, one, one more thing here. I see this often played out in the highlights of life, like the economics, health issues, uh, uh, relationship issues. Those that have not the perfect perspective, but a faith perspective where they're growing in it, they have this stream of strength that just keeps coming in that's enough for the day. It just keeps coming in. It's enough for the day. And they just keep moving towards God's perspective. I don't understand it. I don't have a clarity about why. I not have answers to why. All I know is right now, as I look to his viewpoints, as I trust him in this gap, that he's got purpose in what seems absolutely nothing but just red inflamed pain. And God is saying, I have a plan. I can take it all. I can take all the pain you've created. I can take the pressure that your imbalances create. I can take the people destruction that you've been a part of. I can take the pressures. I can take it all. And I'll use it. I got purpose in it. You say, but it's just failings. It's just, it's the stuff I don't want. It's the stuff I want to move away. It's the stuff you move away from only by giving it into his hands in his bigger purpose to use. Oh God, I'm fearful. But my fearfulness, I don't know about you, but it might be the same. It's about that kind of trust. To actually walk that. Not words, action. To actually trust. A final scripture is found in Philippians 1.21. It says this. Paul does this and it's a summation scripture. He says, for me to live is Christ. Okay, there it is. He just says, for me to be alive is Christ. He's saying, that's the only thing that causes my life to make sense. That's the only thing that really causes me to be able to evaluate life, walk in life, and find meaning and find purpose, and even be joyful in the midst of all of the challenges of life. 
And we read about it biography after biography in the Old Testament, the New Testament. We read about it with the Daniel in the lion's den, three Hebrew men in a fiery furnace. We read about it when we find stories like, like uh, uh, David, who is the worst kind of sinner in many ways, and yet after the heart of God, because he was always a great repenter. Find it in stories like Paul, who once threw people and families in prison to stop the faith and then became a leader in that same faith. We find these stories all through. What's the difference? For me to live is Christ. Is Christ. It's a settled deal. I know exactly what my life's about. I get where my meaning gets derived. I get what makes sense of all this. And then he goes this, and he says, and to die is gain. He's saying, to live is Christ. I get all of this that can be in the middle of all of these things that we all face in life. And then to die, wow, is gain. I put a blank at the end of your notes. For me to live is... How you fill in that blank will determine your strength, your courage, your joy, and your happiness in this life. You can put a lot of things in there. For me to live as security by money. For me to live as my business. For me to live as even my family. For me to live as my health. I want to be strong to the end. For me to live is, what do you want to put in there? What do you want to put in there? For me, because whatever you put in that blank, I'm telling you right now, it's absolutely true. Whatever you put in there, that is going to determine your courage, your strength, your joy, and your happiness. Paul had it. For me to live is Christ. What goes in there? You may be here today and you've never received Christ. You, you, you're, to you, Christianity is just doing some good. No, it's actually admitting that you haven't done good. None of us. Zero. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious ideal. Christian, we can't ever forget that. We don't start in perfection here. We don't start in victory. We start in failure. We all do. And that's why we need God's mercy. That's why we need Jesus. That's what the cross was, was God's mercy to you. And grace to provide his Walk with you and your walk into an eternity with him. All that is just based upon your faith. And so if you're here and never received Christ, you can receive him right this morning because it's a prayer of faith. It's a simple thing. It's not a list. There's no list. In fact, the list is what's getting you in trouble. Leave it. The good, the bad, the ugly. Come on. Let it go. This is just simply about mercy you need and grace God gives. But for you, Christian, you hear that as I present that to people that might not have received Christ yet. And you have received Christ. 
But your question is now upgraded. For me to live is Wow, big question. Big question. It's not to arise guilt, it's to arise faith to say, wow, there's a bigger picture. There's something so much bigger and better than just struggling through what I'm going through. Let's stand together. Fathers, we bow our heads. We just want to thank you that you have a viewpoint on us and on our struggles and problems and pressures and pain and people that we struggle with. Lord, you, you got a viewpoint on all of it. And uh, Lord, it's probably far above ours because your ways are not our ways. They're so much higher. And Father, we thank you that in those intricacies, it only confirms how special and how called we are. That you have a plan literally for our lives and what happens and even with our mistakes and all of our choices that offend health and all of the things. You are there and you've got perspective on it that's greater than ours. Father, I do pray in Jesus' name that you will grab our hearts a little bit today and just kind of cause our gaze to be lifted up again to there's a bigger picture. Here's what I'm going through. Here's what is on the top of the, wow, this is a tough list. But Father, I thank you that right now at this point in time, I can say there's a bigger picture and I want to learn how to trust that and I want to exercise my faith to close the gap between what I see and what you see. If you're here today or watching online, you've never received Christ, I'm serious. It's as simple as a step of faith, a prayer of faith. Um, it really is. Here's a little prayer you can borrow in the quietness of your own heart, which is simply, Jesus, come into my life. I've got the full list. Pressures, problems, pain, people issues. I've got it all. I've got it all. And my list, the good, the bad, the ugly, it's all there. I need your mercy. Forgive me for the sin where it's been about me and I've made life about me. I give up on trying to compensate that and I just receive mercy. So forgive me. Come and take control of my life because I want to live for you. Because I want it to be about for me to live is Christ. If you're a believer today already, raise your eyes just say Lord I just raise my eyes the pressure's hard the pain's deep this is a difficult thing and I just feel overwhelmed and I feel like I just can't find my way through the forest that I'm in and I just lift up my eyes to you open my eyes that I can see that you've got a plan a purpose for it all and I give this to you and say, Lord, bring about your plan and purpose. If it's good for me, Lord, to bless others, 
and you can use what I go through and all this to bless others and God so be it I'll keep breathing on this planet so Father we thank you we are deeply grateful for your love your grace and your plan for us in Christ's name I pray Amen Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.